So no doubt you've noticed there is large opportunity in your pharmacy to embrace specialist professional services, but you might be wondering how do you make that transition from your current business model to one that is profitable and maximizing your opportunities in that space. So this week, to inspire you, I've invited the New South Wales 2015 Young Pharmacist of the Year, Catherine Bronger, to share with you her story of how she's embraced professional services successfully into her business and how she's partnered with technology to help her do it. Welcome to the Transformation Show, where successful pharmacy owners and technology partners help you to build a better 21st century pharmacy by embracing technology. Here is your host, Robert Starr. G'day everyone and welcome back to Transformation, the only dedicated podcast in the world where pharmacy and technology collide to bring you, the motivated pharmacy owner, all that you need to build your smarter, more successful 21st century business before it's too late. My name's Robert Starr, your host and guide on this fantastic journey of ours, all the way through to episode 82. Big show today, and not just because of the high caliber of guests we have amongst us today, but also to wrap up PBN and the massive opportunities that is our future of pharmacy. Transformation issue three will be coming your way next week. I'm going to give you a little bit more insight as what you'll find inside. And also today being September 25th is World Pharmacist Day. So I'd love to share with you a really clever way of how you can promote your interest and support World Pharmacist Day by changing your social media profile really quickly and easily. And I'll share that with you in just a moment. How's your week been? Has it been a good one? I know that speaking to a lot colleagues over the three days of PBN, everyone is so buoyed by the mountain of opportunity that is amongst us. And a large proportion of that is in professional services. And uh, hopefully you'll feel a hell of a lot more confident after this episode with Catherine Bronger, but also in a coming episode and episodes coming your way over the next few weeks, as I have some great guests who are going to share with you how to around implementing professional services successfully in their own pharmacies and how they've done it and what tools and tactics you can deploy for your success as well. I know you'll absolutely love that. So at PBN, I was pleasure of being part of a great panel on uh, the sun- Saturday morning, not Sunday morning, Sunday morning, I was able to have a relaxing morning with my girls and my wife, and we had a nice time down at St Kilda Beach, but Saturday morning, um, we had uh, the guests of Dose Innovations and uh, some great guests around all facets, being it people, change management, the accounting metrics that you need to look at when you're implementing robotics in the pharmacy, and also some really practical elements that that uh, Matt Bolter shared in his four stores that he has deployed automation in. Some fantastic learnings there as well. But I wanted to give you my quick summary of some of my key points as well. I uh, made the uh, headline that every Australian pharmacy should have a 3D printer, and I do estimate that that should happen in the next 15 years, and I'll explain why in just a moment. And also I'm going to embed in the show notes here at robertstar.com forward slash episode 82, 
a copy of the entire case study that we presented um, from Think Pharmacy Kippering during the panel session, which shows a pharmacy that has implemented robotics in its pharmacy and enabled all of the maximal benefits that you can receive in both streamlining the logistics, but also how they can leverage that to create a better professional services impact with their patients. So check that out at robertstar.com forward slash episode 82. And also, just before I get into my uh, key summation, I want to send a big congratulations to the Vitality Pharmacy team at University of Tasmania, as I particularly enjoyed, as you would probably guess, their use of technology uh, to offer a flexible service delivery model, but also to engage and educate their community about technology. Really big hats off to them and congratulations. And also a very big thanks to the Pharmacy Guild and the organisers being Marion Whalen and the team at Pharmacy Business network uh, for their hospitality over the three days absolutely brilliant and certainly looking forward to next year's event as well so on the panel i discussed three key themes and the first of the three was around the transaction economy so where i go with transaction economy and if you're a keen listener to this show it wouldn't be the first time you've heard that mentioned And that really is, as pharmacists and pharmacies, recognizing that all we've done in the past has really successfully shone through the transaction of the supply of medicine really well. And that's formed the greatest part of our role. Whereas where we're going into the future is around collaboration and professional services and a deeper role in primary healthcare. So this is where we are working on the same level and the same plane as our patients. We no longer have have this authoritative standpoint of having to demand that our patients see us at a particular time, a particular location, and that we hold all the information and we provide that to our patients. They are coming to us now, and I'm sure you'd all have patients every single week that will come to you with information from Google. It may even be from a piece of wearable technology or some of the point-of-care diagnostics that you may have in your pharmacy where they are getting their blood glucose readings and they're wanting you to interpret that for them. So it's becoming a very big collaboration and it's really our biggest strength is our clinical knowledge of how we're actually going to translate that into wisdom so that when we get into a world and we're not too far away from that where what can be automated will be automated and a lot of the things around product and supply will be automated. And uh, as I'll touch on in my third point um, that I talked about and that's to do with 3D printing, it's more about services and wisdom than it is going to be around product and how we supply that product. But I'll explain that a little bit later in our five (laughs) little five-minute summation that we'll go through. So in order to take advantage of that, we need to really fundamentally redesign in our thinking, but also our pharmacies, the patient or customer experience, depending on how you look at it. It's not about a place that merchandises stock anymore. It's about how you can create that better experience for your patient so that they can collaborate well with you and it does fit in with their lifestyle. And it's paying reference and respect to the omni-channel world that we live in, where we live in both physical and digital environments, simultaneously and there are some great examples I'm going to share in a moment of organizations and companies that are doing this successfully right now and it really hones in on that role of us in creating a patient-centric 
care model or a patient-centric pharmacy. And this is where a patient will decide and wants to collaborate with you as a pharmacist and as a primary healthcare coach and coordinator, um, how they are going to work with you and what you can offer them. And that's our biggest roles in being able to be that trusted advisor to help them navigate the big role that we can play and help coordinate in primary healthcare. So that would be before perhaps an illness is contracted to keep well, but also in sickness to be able to navigate the straightest path to all the relevant providers, but also how we can actually involve ourselves with some of the data and enable our patients to understand that a little bit better. So hopefully that makes sense to you, but really that's where we're going. And the example I use to show you what this experience looks like is that of examples that we come across every day. And we probably mentioned it a little bit too much on this show. So these are examples like Domino's, Apple computers, and Doctor on Demand, which was one that we mentioned with Kathy Reid back in episode 48. Now, this is examples of where we are having an omni-channel experience. So this is where, for example, from a pizza example, and in PBN, I also managed to talk about Uber as well, is where you started to start the experience through a digital platform, but that translates into a physical world Um, integration into what you're doing and interaction with uh, the customer service people. So whether that be the pizza store owners, the delivery driver, um, or in an Apple environment with the concierge and also with the geniuses. So all of that can be a omni-channel environment. Doctor on Demand is obviously a pure digital, so you are interacting entirely in a digital space. But another great example, as I mentioned there, was Uber. So that's where, obviously, you can order a car to come pick you up. But through digital, you're able to track that car all the way to you, who the driver is, what their number plate is, and you're able to then get into that physical car. But then as you exit, pay through digital um, so that you're able to rapidly utilize the uh, all the resources available to make it a really seamless experience. And I explored these a little bit further in in, uh, this month's AJP. So if you've got a copy of the Australian Journal of Pharmacy September 15 edition, you can get in under the hood of some of those examples a little bit further. And the third example I shared was around the need and the absolute obvious choice for pharmacies to have a commercial 3D printer in every pharmacy. And this is within the next 15 years. Now I'll explain to you why this will happen. One, it's already happened. In America, the FDA, world's first 3D printed medicine, um, and and I'll I'll backtrack a little bit on that, Aprecia Pharmaceuticals have manufactured a drug called Spritam, which is a drug for the treatment of epilepsy. And the company claims, and I'll take it on face value, published in Forbes magazine, is the first drug ever that the FDA, that is approved by the FDA, that is manufactured using 3D printing technology. Now, this type of technology has also got its benefits as well because it's enabled to enhance the actual creation of the tablet because it's not having to worry about shelf life and it really is being manufactured on demand it can create a different layer of binding of the powders together. And then what it creates is a 3D printed tablet that is dissolved and absorbed so much quicker than our typical tablets as well. So it actually has solved a formulation problem as well. 
and the future will mean that 3D printing of these medications will allow doctors to know the medicine they're prescribing that can deliver the exact dose intended. As we spoke about, and I think this was in episode 51 with uh, Sam Mustafa and Alan Sheffield from Genes FX, pharmacogenomics gives us the opportunity to discover how drugs will be metabolized in our bodies so that we can know the exact and accurate dose that we need at any one given time to get a certain response. And so this 3D printing will enable that as well as give us the opportunity to compound the right formulation with the right excipients that a patient needs in able to get the best possible outcome. So I believe that this will be in pharmacy. It is being bandied around that it will be in every patient's home, but I believe it will be in every pharmacy because of the fact that the regulation will require it to be. And that's where the intellectual property of the drug will be the molecular structure, which will become the blueprint, and how that mini chemistry set is then transported to you in the pharmacy to be able to manufacture a wide range of tablets and formulations in there is yet to be determined at this stage, but it will enable us to play that role in being able to customize the product rather than simply selling a mass distribution model. And what that means is that the need to actually hold physical stock in the pharmacy can literally be removed. So we spoke a little bit about uh, virtual um shelves in pharmacy and what that may mean. Um, and there are examples that I'll share with you a YouTube video of uh, the Dose Innovations uh, V-Motion and how that's being utilized in Germany uh, with some of the products that are housed within the robot. So we've got a long way to go and I'll also put a link in as well to the 3D printed tablet video from Aprecia Pharmaceuticals for you to check that out as well. But we're a long way from this stage right now, but we just need to keep a very open mind as to where our role is in the future. Because if we, if we too heavily invest in product distribution and merchandise models, we're gonna very, very quickly find that going forward Forward, we're going to end up in a point where we're just going to be competing on price with the rest of the world that are in that market. And as we've just seen this week, Chemist Warehouse has organized and uh, formed a partnership with Alibaba's e-commerce arm to di direct distribute into China. And now that is honing in on their very, very big strength in managing products and logistics en masse. And unless you're a pharmacy with that kind of expertise, this is where you will need to go if you want to continue down the merchandise and product path. But there is so much opportunity in the opposite direction where you can specialize in wisdom and services as well. So hopefully that makes a whole lot of sense for you and gives you a great appreciation about where we're going in the next 15 years in pharmacy as well. Now, as I mentioned, uh, Transformation Issue 3 is coming out next week. So in order to be one of the first to get hold of it and also uh, get hold of the subscription bonuses, uh, head across to this special link, robertstar.com forward slash free magazine, and you'll be the first to receive it. And there's some fantastic bonuses worth up to $400 that you'll be able to get hold of as well. And the whole theme of the magazine this time as I mentioned last week with Richard Branson on the cover, is that of disruption. So you'll get a little bit more insight into some of the future possibilities and what disruptive models are around in my editorial as well.
Now, as I mentioned, it is World Pharmacist Day today, September 25th. So if you would like to support, and I've done this myself, if you head across to my Facebook or Twitter profile, um, you can make a twibbon. And what a twibbon is, it just really augments your uh, profile photo to include a ribbon of support uh, for World Pharmacist Day. So a really good initiative by the FIP. Uh, I encourage you to support it. I have as well. And I've put a link in the show notes at robertstar.com forward slash episode 82 about how you can do that directly as well. We're going to head across to Catherine now. That's enough for me. Uh, I can get so excited about the future of pharmacy. It is a wonderful place that we are in right now, so long as we keep ourselves open and embrace the technology. Catherine is a great example of a pharmacist and a pharmacy group that is doing exactly that. And she shares some great stories about how they're leveraging technology to embrace professional services and the fantastic dynamic role of pharmacists moving forward. I know you'll love it. I'll see you on the other side. Our interview today is with Catherine Bronga. She's a second generation pharmacist and the managing partner of the Chemist Works Group of Pharmacies. Her greatest passion is driving professional services and leading the generation of pharmacy slashes, where pharmacists are more than just pharmacists, but they take on extra specialization like compounding and diabetes education. Catherine Bronga, welcome to the Transformation Show. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Robert. Oh, look, it's great to have a fellow second-generation pharmacist on the show. It's not a conversation I get to have too often. And, uh, you know, certainly, uh, I guess, to, to that nature, I guess we really didn't have a choice but to become pharmacists, did we? Absolutely. And I'm one of four children, so and I'm the last of four children, and the other three of my brothers and sisters didn't do pharmacy, so I had no chance at all. I actually... I actually intentionally didn't do biology at school, so I didn't have to do pharmacy. And and I made a deal with my father that as long as I get the marks, I'll try it. But I made him sign a contract that I could get out at any stage. And I just loved it. So I stayed in. Yeah, well, I, I suppose as they would probably point out, biology was probably optional. There are always other pathways to, uh, to get into it. Well, I didn't realise there were bridging courses. <laughs> and, and I guess on that topic, um, you know, when, when, you, when you went through university and when you left, um, you know, what did you imagine your first pharmacy would look like? Obviously, growing up, you see the pharmacy through a different lens, um, through our father's lens as well. Um, you know, but I guess what did it look like? And, you know, did you immediately think it, something like technology would play a big role in it? Yeah, I think so. I actually... Um I actually had an interesting journey throughout university. I got very much involved in the student association um, and headed up the super and then also got involved in the national student association as vice president. And so I got a lot of exposure outside of the family businesses. And I also made a pact that I wouldn't work within the family businesses until I was registered and ready to to come across. And so I spent a lot of my uh, years working for a lot of different styles of pharmacy. So I worked in, a, in pharmacy advices, which I think really, really gave me a taste for forward pharmacy and really having that interaction with a lot of patients. And 
But, and I also did a little bit of country, so I actually went up to Foster and worked there during my graduate year and I think for my first year of registration, I actually had five different jobs. I had a training job, so I actually set up a training program for pharmacy assistants as well as working in four different pharmacies and I think that really, I saw a lot of technology but I also saw a, a lot of different management styles and retail styles. So when I came back to work for the family businesses, it had really given me a lot of experience in terms of what I wanted to achieve in the businesses and also what I what I didn't want to achieve or, or, or how I wanted to communicate with staff or what I wanted to implement. Um, in, in the first, it was a bit of a challenge when I came back to work for the family businesses in my second year of registration. I actually came in and ran one of the largest pharmacies. So at that stage it was a, you know, a double-digit pharmacy and we were also had around 70 staff members and that was that was a real challenge for somebody so early on and a lot of the staff that I was managing were actually actually brought me up so they used to pick me up from school and and come across and have been working within the businesses for 10 or 15 years and immediately I knew that I wanted to implement professional services and immediately I knew that I wanted to to look at the processes within that businesses and that's where I think technology came in. Yeah, no, look, it, it evolves so much, um, you know, certainly, you know, when I, when I look at my experience and, uh, you know, probably quite si similar to you, I, I probably didn't start working inside uh, Dad's businesses until uh, probably after I'd uh, spent some time actually not only in Australia in hospital but also overseas and, you know, you see different lens and I, and I guess that's probably what they were hoping in as much that, you know, you come into the business with a fresh perspective or, you know, bring a different lens because, you know, the pharmacy model of the you know 60s 70s 80s you know very 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 different from what we're looking at right now um, which is where obviously we're playing such a much bigger role in primary health care which will only continue to emerge as we move forward but you know so much about that technology that is evolving not only in our pharmacies but also in the world around us whether we choose to allow it through our front doors or not is impacting I guess those workflows so I suppose it's about you know I guess reigniting some of those, you know, great workflows and processes in the business, but also finding new ones as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I, I think for us, for me, certainly in the beginning, that was actually working out how this business business operated and how the people operated within it, and whether we could sort of clean up that processes. And for me, technology wasn't 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 an immediate answer. It sort of became an answer as I learnt about the businesses as well. And it's funny that you say that, you know, we, I, I learned a lot external working outside of the family businesses, but when I came into the family businesses, so I, I learned a lot about that retail side and really ensuring that we had, you know, a real good retail basis as well. So it's sort of that, that for me, that emergence of professional services, technology and having a good retail base in pharmacy. And I guess that re that retail aspect, you know, and, and you may have found the same, you know, it was really the, the education started the minute we started working full time in, in pharmacies, you know, the business and retail aspects weren't very strong as part of our undergraduate course. Um, but then to, you know, start to merge those two things together and, uh, you know, as a uh, very famous uh, colleague of ours, Hilary Kahn, will refer to it, we don't need to separate dispense and retail, it is the whole store experience. But uh, 
uh, very much as a young pharmacist, you're only ever really ever exposed to probably more the dispense element and that retail aspect is something you introduce later. Yeah, it's absolutely, it's funny that you say that because as I look back into the early career, I, I took very much a scientific approach to understanding retail. So, and I think it was that pharmacy training or that background within that dispensary that, that forced me to sort of take that approach. So I, I really used the, you know, the point of sale system and a lot of the um, analytical technology that was out there. You know, I think, you know, we had certain staff um, rostering technology and so forth that we used to, to, to run the numbers. And I used to spend hours and hours sort of running the numbers, trialling things, checking if they worked, you know, and, and really piecing together those sort of reports uh, from that point of sale system and then looking, benchmarking it against industry benchmarks and so forth as well. So it was very much a scientific approach in terms of having a hypothesis trialling the hypothesis, analysing whether it works or not and evaluating whether you're going to continue with it. So technology allowed me to do that. Yeah, and no, I look at you know it's a fantastic philosophy. You know, look, it's very very similar to uh, to one of my favourite books, which is the uh, the Lean Startup, which is you know focuses a lot about test, measure, learn, review, and uh, you know it's something that you know I guess even when we look at technology, you know if our if our fathers were looking at you know being able to test things and measure it through data, they weren't given that opportunity, or that if they did, it would be a very long and manual uh, data collection process. Whereas I guess the the feedback that we can get from some of these uh, things that we may trial in the pharmacy, you can get a lot of measurable results come back to you. But I guess on that topic of some of that evolving technology, you know, I guess, you know, how have you managed to keep yourself up to date with it? Um, And, you know, I guess how how has that evolved in the business since you started getting, um, you know, started back involved? Well, I guess uh, for, for me, I've really always had a very strong vision in, in my career to really focus on utilising the pharmacist. You know, we have training for four years okay. and a lot of what we actually do is very process-driven and I think that if we freed up those processes in terms of the, you know, the dispensing process or the stock replenishment processes and so forth, we can actually be better utilised to interact with the patients and sort of drive some more professional services within the store. And I kind of knew that from, from the very early stages and I, and I sort of started to explore different areas where we could drive these professional services. So I very quickly implemented a range of, you know, services and this is talking 10 years ago. So in terms of compounding, we had... Um, a baby service that we did and even looking at the retail makeup services and so forth that we delivered and it was very much the theatre of that in conjunction with the retail side. So we had, you know, a retail side of people element and the dispensary element within our, our, our businesses and how that further developed as the technology uh, developed in our store meant that we then started to embrace a lot more technology um, for these processes and automate a lot of these processes that come through and then really explore a lot of the technology that would help drive these professional services and make them become a reality. So your question was how I've kept up to date with it. I think really it's networking with with colleagues and suppliers in particular, um, universities as well to, to, to have a look at, at, at what happens. So I, I have very a lot to do with UTS pharmacy. Um, I think pharmacy students as well sort of bring really fresh and interesting ideas in the way that they're trained 
at the moment going to industry conferences as well and talking to a lot of the suppliers and seeing what's showcased there as well. Mm. And, and you mentioned their really strong point, you know, the technology has to mould into our existing processes and, you know, there are opportunities everywhere to aid or <clears throat> automate particular functions of the pharmacy business, probably most notably the non-patient facing ones. And, you know, so the opportunity is available perhaps within the business. It's just going through that process of identifying it. So I guess where, where you've looked at these processes, where you've put new services in is is there any particular method or way that you've then looked at it and thought, well, this is the best way we could optimise this process and perhaps technology may play a role in this? Yeah, I think for us the best example is we put in an automated dispensing machine, the roll machine, into one of our um, larger stores, our 24-hour pharmacy. And there were several reasons why we decided to do that. And it was actually... Um, we actually consulted a lot with the staff before we did that to make sure it was something that they would be be comfortable with having. And it was just because we knew that we wanted to drive the professional services and take them to a new to a new level. But we also knew that we couldn't necessarily in, increase our staffing levels in order to do that. So we really had to clean up the processes to, to implement. Um, implement that and that that comes down to a lot of things with that automated dispensing machine so you know it helps us in terms of accuracy which is great it helps us in terms of efficiency and getting the scripts out correctly it also helped us a lot in terms of of actually packing stock away so it actually has a hopper system that puts all that that dispensary items away and being a 24-hour pharmacy at night time when we've got a sole pharmacist that can be done quite quickly and efficiently there was also a real security element for us as well um, in operating that store 24 hours you know those those prescription items are less accessible than they otherwise would be for um we always do the numbers um, within our within our businesses as well to actually see what that investment looks like and what it can bring to the businesses and sort of hypothesise what we think that it will bring to the businesses and then evaluate that as well. We actually bring the staff into that process as well so they sort of know how much of an uplift in other areas we need to do in order to make that technology work efficiently. Yeah, and look, I think, you know, the automation aspect, uh, you know, has such, you know, great opportunity, particularly in our country. Um, you know, the stat we've probably shared a number of times on the shows that we're probably at about that 3 to 5% automation in total Australian pharmacies, whereas in other areas in the, around the world who have experienced similar, you know, changes, PBS reforms that are similar, um, you know, we're, we're looking at probably about 30% concentration. So there's a huge amount of opportunity within the Australian and pharmacy industry to take up opportunity in automation, not just with your dispensary logistics, but you know, as 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 no doubt you, you'd be very familiar. It's one of those high touch points that uh, you know, if you can save five to ten seconds per interaction, particularly in you know a busy pharmacy, um, you know, the results are, are quite astronomical in terms of the efficiency and time that take up. But I imagine though, with a twenty four hour pharmacy, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I imagine, um, you know 
over the, I guess, the early hours of the morning, um, you know, certainly, you know, to be able to streamline that process to the point where people are able to come in, reduce the amount of, inter- I guess, the amount of space that in there. So did you segment the store to enable, I guess, a night dispensary, which I had seen in Europe, probably not so much over here to, I guess, uh, minimise the uh, security element? Yeah, and I think this was the when we actually this is one of the reasons why we put in the the automated dispensing machine is because it's really interesting operating a business where you've got to have a high volume during the day and a low volume, you know, during the evenings and and how that works. So you're either working with, you know, eight to twelve people in the dispensary and sometimes one person within the dispensary. And so the setup was really sort of in, in important for us in order how we did that. So we sort of We'll, we'll, we'll use the whole dispensary during the day. And what we've done by putting in the automated dispensing machine is really ha- having only one pharmacist involved in that checking process. The other pharmacists are actually handing out the scripts and helping with checking and so forth. So they're the ones that are having that conversation with the patients as they're handing out the prescriptions. And, it, you know, it's face-to-face and it's, it, it's efficient and, and then they can also provide any other information that they want or any, any sort of advice on over-the-counter medication. And, and that's a strong point of difference in terms of what we do. No pharmacy assistants or dispensary technicians hand out scripts. And at night time, we then utilise that section of the dispensary. So it's just a straight dispensing hand in, hand out, almost like a, you know, very much a forward pharmacy model. Yeah. Yeah, no, look, it certainly, you know, then has its challenges, particularly, you know, given that you'd have different workflows for different points of the day and, uh, you know, to be able to adapt to that as well. Um, you know, typically, you know, most setups will be set up for a particular service, particular model and only that model. Um, so, you know, obviously great that you've been able to adapt it. But, you know, I guess, you know, in terms of our workflows in dispensaries, there's so many of those one percenters that get picked up, um, you know, particularly, um, you know, in some of the newer, I guess, or probably not so much newer, but newer ways of doing some of our professional services with dose administration aids and so forth, um, you know, particularly whether we're doing nursing homes and we've got a large area or sub-segment of our business in that regard, or it might be compounding and there's technology involved there. So is any of those areas, like I know you're very, very strong in professional services that you've been able to realise some workflow gains in those areas? Yeah, absolutely. So we implemented MedsPro throughout all of our stalls and we, we did look at other other possibilities like having externally sourcing um, those packs, but we decided to go with MedsPro. We actually don't do uh, nursing home or very many nursing homes. We're just community groups or community houses and, and very much community packs, but we do a, a reasonable number of those um, to, to quantify actually getting the MedsPro in. Um, and we've found that very good in terms of space efficiency, so we can actually allocate more space to the retail space of our stalls, but also in terms of efficiency and accuracy and actually um, then measuring the efficiency of those those packers as well, we found very, very important. So, we, you know, we've... That... I think when we looked at the processes, we sort of looked at all areas as well. In, in terms of compounding... We we also have sort of hoods and electronic ungulators and and milling machines and so forth that sort of help help that physical side of it and ensure that we're also um, 
compounding a good quality product. And I think that that's the that's the thing when we drive these professional services that we do within our stores, we want to make sure that the technology that we we're using or the service that we're offering is the, the top service that we can offer. So I guess the other area of professional services that we've looked into um, heavily is researching a lot of the diagnostic tools that are available before we drive that professional service. So one of the examples is with sleep apnea. Um, we had a look at a lot of the different diagnostics that were available and we realised that there was indeed some gold standards um, and we worked quite closely with sleep specialists and took a lot of advice of the companies and so forth in order to, to use that technology. So I think when it comes and, and other professional services that we're looking into as well, we spend a lot of time researching uh, the, the you know the best quality uh, product um, in order to give that diagnostics or that point of care testing. And sometimes that's not the most apparent one that we see within the industry. Sometimes um, sometimes it hasn't broken into the pharmacy channel yet. Yeah, no. Look, there's so so much opportunity, particularly in uh, in diagnostics. You know, not only within the pharmacy setting, um, but also um, you know, as patients are now becoming enabled uh, through internet connected devices of their own wearing, being our wearable technology. Um, you know, we see you know customers walking walking into the pharmacies, whether they've bought it from the pharmacy or chosen to you know ask questions about it in the pharmacy. But you know, as we've discussed on the show a number of times before there's so much opportunity in that patients are starting to want to learn more about themselves whether it be you know very basic things in terms of their movements their um, ability to sleep better uh, to take on better hydration diet and so forth and obviously that's now going to progress perhaps to you know these some of these diagnostics being tools that patients own themselves and no doubt in pharmacy we've 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 seen you know the blood glucose meters the blood pressure meters but we've never seen the results until the patients presented in the pharmacy pharmacy but we're getting to that point where that information is going to come to us and you know patients are going to be needing to seek clarification so I guess in that changing paradigm you're starting to see I guess a lot more collaboration with patients in these professional services as opposed to it being a patient coming in to I guess the full get the full 360 review before um, you start the conversation about what that means for them. Yeah I certainly think that patients generally are much better educated than they have been in the past. And I certainly think that they're very much embracing the technology that allows them to to sort of to, to get clinical data um, for their different sort of disease states or potential disease states as well. The trouble that I find is the patients, however well educated that they are, may not be able to interpret that data because they don't have the background or the training that, that we do. And I certainly think that's where pharmacy can play a role in terms of the interpretation of that data and then really explaining to the patient what they can do with that data. For me, I think it's, 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 a, it's a wonderful sort of progression in terms of where we're going. And we certainly see that there is, you know, this, this generation of, of baby boomers are really embracing that sort of wearable technology. If I look at um, a lot of people who have the eye watches and so forth, you know, they're, they're really, um, really in that generation that are still working but really want to take control of their health as well so they can work for longer and live for longer and so forth, which is far different from the generation before who really socially evolved around their sickness. So really, they, you know, they, they really um, revolve around wellness and health. But I think that, you know, where 
we certainly need to, and not to say that we've done this yet, but really embrace that interpretation of that data and what we do, because we know that to many of these disease states, these modifiable risk factors, if you can take control of them and understand what that means for your disease state and reduce them, then you can make a significant difference in terms of the clinical outcomes. And I think that's where, um, that's where it's quite exciting for the future wellness in pharmacy rather than sickness in pharmacy. Yeah, no, it's it's a great it's a great shift in change because we often look at you know we've got a health system, but it's a really a health system or a sickness system, and uh, what can be prevented. I, look, I know when I uh, spent uh, my internship and also a year in clinical pharmacy in hospital, one of the things that drove me back to community was the fact that you would it would be far too late at the point of when you're in hospital to actually make an impactful change on preventing some of these chronic health conditions before they come before they you know become staples of a person's lifestyle and uh you know there's certainly so much now around you know wanting to be well um and and, and certainly you know you mentioned the uh the the apple watch and you know their great event that they only held uh a couple of uh, or it would have been last last week by the time we go to air it'll probably be a few weeks later um but you know they were championing the health benefits that people were quoting around what they were able to achieve having worn the apple watch in terms terms of the weight lost or the amount of activity, how they're feeling, their energy. Um, and so it is enabling that change. And uh, with patients seeing us, I guess, more as advisors in the health primary healthcare space, as opposed to just simply a supplier of a something in that journey of medicines um you know there is so much opportunity and and i guess in in the wearable um technology space you know what what experience have you had i guess in in store with that have you had patients come in with them to show you and um and and some of the devices have you have you looked at those in store as well um, look, we have looked at them in store. We haven't. We don't actually sell them within our, within the store. We we certainly have patients that come in and and ask about them and ask about their results and so forth. We we have the um, the product range of the the eye health range within our stores. Um, so that's sort of the first stage that we've we've sort of taken. But no, n- not in terms of the wearables at this stage. It's interesting that it's interesting that really that market's been very much led by the technology um, driven driven companies rather than the health companies. And it's really interesting that they've sort of taken taken that space. Um, yet it's really then just a product of technology, not in terms of the interpretation of the data and what you do with that data. And I think that's sort of where where, where we should be playing the role. Well, I guess they may be helping us in that respect too, that, uh, you know, they are driving people to, you know, take more ownership, want to have those collaborative conversations, but they won't be going back there to uh, interpret it, um, which is, you know, going to mean that there's going to be more patients looking for solutions in that regard. So, you know, it's certainly an opportunity, as it was discussed in previous shows, where we really need to embrace that as a, as a primary role um, before uh, some of our other fellow health professionals perhaps do it ahead of us um, and so that we can lead that change and you know I guess that also comes back to some of the other things that we are looking forward to in terms of understanding our patients data a little bit better and you know that's on the topic of you know e-health and getting access to the uh, patient's health record and not only just writing prescriptions to it but obviously being able to contribute notes and follow up information with the with the uh, local primary health community around that patient so you know what what have you seen in that 
that e-health space that has um, you know helped to I guess helped your practice, but also you know what opportunities do you see on the horizon? Yeah, I absolutely think that that's going to be the, 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 the technology that changes the way that we operate within pharmacies is when that when we can not only connect all the different things we do with that patient within the pharmacy, but then also connect with the other allied healthcare professionals. I think that's where the technology will change. I mean, for instance, in our stores, you know, we do a lot of health checks for patients. We also, you know, their blood pressure, their blood glucose. We do HbA1c testing, full lipid panel testing with cardiovascular risk assessments. And also, we also know their dispensing history. We know whether they're their adherence as well. Um, to, to that medication and we also know the new medication, we know the over-the-counter medications that they're on and we also know the natural health medicines that they're on. But really there's not, I think once we can start to connect all that data and that whole journey through and help communicate that back to their GP and sort of really interpret it and, and, and communicate back to their GP or back to their specialist or, you know, you know, through a med review as well, I think that technology and really and communicate that back to the patient as well so they actually have um, control and self-efficacy around their disease state. I think that that's going to be a very, a very um interesting and exciting world within pharmacy and I certainly see that there's elements of technology out there that are starting to create that. Mm. Well, I, I guess it pays that respect to our, you know, digital and physical worlds all coming together into that omni-channel environment now that, uh, you know, we can be, you know, simultaneously in the digital space as well as in a physical space, um, you know, in our personal and professional professional lives and the same with our patients in as much that things can be happening in that environment whilst we're, you know, still walking around, whether that be, you know, like we're saying wearable technology, communicating, you know, a blood blood pressure reading back to a back to a patient's doctor before the patient's even realized it and proactively managing it and I guess from that respect you know being able to cut out all of that inefficiency of patients having to restate their information their stories um, or represent the same health data to multiple providers so that we're actually all sitting around a virtual table um, you know really is probably the great place for you know not only pharmacy but primary health care to be to be working together um, moving forward, but I, I guess also from a, from the other side of you know the business, and I know Hillary will probably whack me over the head for this one. But when we think about then the, the pharmacy retail aspect, um, but that becoming part of the overall business model, you know, there's all that data that we capture in our point of sale systems, in our loyalty systems, um, and um, you know, certainly you know one one aspect that I know that you your groups looked at in terms of e-commerce, um, so. What have you looked at to, I guess, bring all of that um, that information in together with some of the clinical information to get that um, single patient um, understanding? Yeah, look, we I mean, we have a, quite a strong loyalty program within our stores and a lot of our, you know, professional services or health checks relate into that, um, that loyalty program um, and, and so forth as well. And as well as the, the online, um, we've sort of integrated it as well. It's not seamless, to be honest with you, and I think that um, that you know that, that it's you know in pharmacy, you know your point of sale system, your dispensing system, and you know your loyalty system and your online system. It's still a bit clunky, and I think for us the the um, the connections haven't been as seamless 
um, yet as they can be, but there's certainly processes in place to ensure that that sort of happens and that we really um, utilise the information that we have um, within that. So, I mean, we, we, we go through and we'll, we'll analyse that dispensing data and we'll go through and we'll analyse that um, that loyalty data and, and we also know the patients who are on, you know, the dispensing data and relate that back to the point of, point of sale data. But, you know, I think that's something that we can always do do better in pharmacy and I think that that's, you know, we're probably behind the eight ball in terms of a lot of the big corporate players in that sense. And, and what, what's been your experience with, I know that you've got um, your um, e-commerce platform and a mobile application, you know, how have patients adopted to that and, you know, have they, you know, made it part of their j- patient journey with your pharmacies um, or is it something that, you know, th- that they've given you some insight in terms of, you know, how they have or haven't been us- utilising it? Yeah, so with our online platform, I mean, we don't have a, a separate distribution channel. We actually it's have always had the um, order online and pick up in-store model. And for that, that seems to work quite well because the patients we found still want or, or local delivery as well. So um, I think for us, it's just um, the patients have really wanted to know that that pharmacy is, is local and that they're still... Um, they're still supporting you um, individually as well. And I think for privacy as well, they still want to sort of pick up their their medicine within that that local pharmacy or have it delivered to their home at a convenient time for them. So we've still, you know, we've always had that um, purchase online, pick up or deliver locally um, for all of our individual stores. Yeah. And and look, I guess it's, it's, it's a reflection of, you know, I guess the flexibility sometimes. I know that colleagues have mentioned in the past that, you know, the minute you open up e-commerce or on, on, order online, pick up in store, you start to get orders at very random times, you know, early in the morning, um, <clears throat> late at night, um, which is probably reflecting, the, you know, the society's busyness um, and, you know, seeking time wherever possible. And that's why we often turn to online uh, shopping in some regards guards as well but i guess you know mobile is such a as a big uh area where we're spending more times on phones now you know whether it be social media or any anything else and you know i know that you've touched your feet in into that into that space but you know is, is it something that um you know you see is you know critical to i guess you know some of your brand touch points moving forward yeah, absolutely. I think that's where, really where the investment has to be um, in terms of not only mobile applications for for um, for product sales, but also for information delivery as well. And I think that's going to be a really interesting space. So you know, patients can connect directly with the pharmacists, and they can the pharmacists can talk to them about their individual disease states. And I think that's really where the investment for us lies in the future. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and as we mentioned um, in, in our intro today, you're leading a generation of, uh, of slashes, uh, which is where pharmacists are going to be pharmacists and something else. Um, so I guess for, for, for our colleagues out there who are at different levels, um, some may be in small independent pharmacies, might have multiples, but I guess what would your, be, your advice be, I guess, when approaching, I guess, the future of pharmacy, particularly, you know, utilising benefits of technology as to you know what things you know these our colleagues should be looking at right now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that there's probably um, f- for me there's three things that technology can do. I think that 
the, the, the first piece of technology um, can clean up the processes so that you're no longer doing doing tasks that can now be automated. And then I think that, you, you know, I think that for, for certainly the young, certainly a lot of the pharmacists out there, it's really a matter of making sure that they're in direct contact with their patients because that's the true, and, and on the floor to some extent as well, because that's the true point of difference between us and the competitors, non-competitor pharmacies that are non-competitor retailers that are coming into our space at the moment as well. So for me, it's a process-driven platform. I think the other the other thing is it's sort of looking into these other sort of areas that where pharmacy can be driven. So whether it's through, you know, interpretation of data, whether it's through um, point of care testing within pharmacy that will then drive into other professional services. And then looking at the technology that that that's central to to driving very good, um, comprehensive and integral professional services within our industry. And obviously, obviously the third piece is, is, is the data, you know, so when it comes to patient data, but then also financial data and the technology behind there. So they're, they're sort of the three, the three key areas um, that I would I would look into. You kind of mentioned this, the, the slasher as well. And I think for, for me, the future of pharmacy lies into ensuring that, that, that a lot of pharmacists out there are actually driven to, to very much specialise in, in different areas as well. So when, when, when I say slasher, I say, you know, you're going to be, you know, to, to a lot of the pharmacists that work with this, you know, you're not just going to be a pharmacist. You're going to be a pharmacist compounding expert, you're going to be a pharmacist um, diabetes educator, you're going to be a pharmacist naturopath, you know, there's all these areas of specialising that you can you can do and it's a pharmacist slash naturopath or pharmacist slash diabetes educator and I think that's where it's really exciting for for pharmacy to go and I think as as pharmacy owners we have a responsibility to invest in these this technology that will clean up the processes to allow a lot of the pharmacists to actually utilize their four years of training and their interaction with um, with patients and really create a point of difference within their pharmacies in doing so and I think for the for those that that you know want to drive these professional services or specialise or become you know just really good you know um, good ph clinical pharmacists as well. I think that they have a responsibility to really invest in what that future drives and help and bring these um, technologies or these processes or ideas into the pharmacies where they work as well. So I think it's a two way street. Yeah, look, it, it, it's a really interesting place um, for pharmacy right now in that we do have, you know, a younger generation that are looking to do more with their pharmacy degree than, you know, just being the standard pharmacist uh, that, you know, we've had in, had in our profession for a long time. Yet, you know, the majority of uh, the pharmacy owners uh, would probably still sit in, you know, our, our father's categories of baby boomers and, uh, you know, having, you know, the, I guess the pharmacy landscape shifts so much in 
the last 10 to 15 years around them um, to be able to, you know, look at how they can embrace that. So, you know, no doubt uh, the slashers are going to have a big role in not only, um, you know, transforming pharmacies that they get directly involved in, you know, developing and owning, but also in transforming the pharmacies of their employers. Um, and, you know, that generational change that, that, that is happening as well. And, and, I, get, and I guess for, for that specific situation, you know, how, how have you had, I know from my own personal experience in, you know, working with my father in crossing those generational pathways of, you know, my, my ideas and his ideas to be able to, you know, I guess find that synergy moving forward with some, some of the uh, technology and also the professional services around. You know, what would your advice be, I guess, to, to the, I guess that younger generation of coming to the baby boomer owners and wanting to, you know, help drive that change forward? You know, I think you've got to really do, do your research and really put together a good business case for it. And I think no one can say no to a good business case. So it's, it can't just be an idea or something on the whim. If you want um, an investment within those businesses, you've really got to sort of do your research and then do the numbers and make sure that you can, you know, you can increase the business for within that store or the profitability or streamline the processes or get some sort of cost savings out of it or increase in terms of sales or, or you know, or point of difference. And so I think that it's a matter, you know, I think when it comes to it is make sure that it's a strong business case and that you know what you're talking about and, and do the research and talk to people and, and, and find out what that looks like. Because I guess, you know, where, where we see it, there's a lot of, um, you know, pharmacy students, young pharmacists who are, you know, they're starving for opportunity. And, uh, you know, you see too many times that you hear, oh, look, there's not enough jobs, there's not enough pharmacies out there for us to get involved in. But, you know, it might be just very much a case of rolling up the sleeves and looking at these opportunities, building those business cases and taking it to, to an older pharmacy owner so that it's such an irresistible concept uh, that they really can't refuse to you know have a go with it absolutely i think that if you if you know if you're a young pharmacist who's you know struggling to to find the the, the job that they want you have to really um really work on your own skill set and really work on your ideas so when you work within a business and you drive that change you become very much indispensable to that business and that owner knows the value and in, in, in your worth because just as, you know, as owners, we have to make sure that our businesses have a strong point of difference to the other businesses and retailers out there. I think as an individual pharmacist, you need to really work on your skill set and your, your, your knowledge and, you know, perhaps your business cases to ensure that, that you also have a very strong point of difference to other pharmacists that are out there. Yeah, no, fantastic. And I guess as we get our crystal balls out in terms of, you know, what uh, pharmacists and pharmacy owners need to be looking at moving forward. But if we take away those two annoying things of time and resources, which often get in the way of a lot of things that we'd love to do, um, you know, what would you love to see implemented in pharmacies today? I would love to create a pharmacy without the barrier for dispensary one day and just not have a dispensary within the pharmacy, but have a virtual virtual dispensary within the pharmacy. So plenty of pharmacists on the floor, but no actual position within the store. And I think that that would make a great and interesting pharmacy that's all about advice and service. 
Well, I think it would certainly leave our customers scratching their heads saying, Where, where's that two and a half foot step? And, you know, obviously we're going a long way now to removing that. But uh, yeah, that's a fundamental change to, you know, not only customer expectation, but, uh, you know, nonetheless to, uh, you know, the accessibility of the pharmacist as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's all about accessibility of the pharmacist. You know, I think too much that dispensary is a physical barrier of that pharmacist getting out and on the floor and interacting with the patients. And I think technology can 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 take those processes away from us and we can really have those pharmacists on the floor on a day-to-day basis, interacting, driving professional services um, within the store, but also, you know, really driving minor ailments and, and you know, over-the-counter medicine as well as dispensary medicine. And I, and I think the further technology develops, the, the, the least reliant we, are, we should be on that physical dispensary barrier. Yeah, yeah. Look, uh, you know, having visited um, your store in in Broadway, I know you've got an Apple store upstairs, and you know the the transformation of the uh, computer retail space, you know, through Apple retail was you know very stark and you know very polarizing, and you ne- you never look at um, you know going to going to buy an Apple product ever the, ever the same again with the experience that they've created, and you know much akin to what you're saying there, it's a fundamental change to that experience to the customer if they come to the pharmacy and they're not you know seeing what they expect of uh you know having that big dispensary having the big barriers in place the big amount of waiting time all of those things that drive everyone nuts so you know it's a fundamental change and i look forward to um following your journey and uh having you back in the not too distant future thanks very much robert thanks Catherine. Well, I think we'd agree that at this evolutionary time, it is inspirational stories like Catherine's that is going to lead our profession forward. We can see the great opportunities in the greener pastures of professional services and the transformative pharmacy role in becoming that trusted advisor. And my three key learnings lead off with that. Catherine inspires us and we should all be aspiring to be a slasher, a term we probably not will have heard before today. In that, what could you specialise in? Not just be a pharmacist, but what could you be plus in your pharmacy career? What could that be? Could it be naturopathy? Could it be a diabetes educator? Could it be asthma? Especially young pharmacists who are looking to get the edge on their own colleagues with some of the pharmacy jobs that are highly sought out for at the moment. What could you do to arm up your skills to be able to become an irresistible concept to a future employee? employer or your current employer and get them to appreciate your role so much more and really challenging yourself to be able to do that. And that's not just say that that opportunity is for young pharmacists, old pharmacists as well. You can certainly go back to the roots of pharmacy, go and do some compounding. That's a great opportunity at the moment as patients are seeking a more personalized service and certainly there are a whole range of medicines that are not being manufactured anymore, but nonetheless are fantastic products. Uh, that GPs would like to prescribe. So compounding may be an opportunity for you if an older pharmacist or just take up some new skills in one of these nice chronic disease elements like diabetes, asthma and so forth. 
Big one. Number two is look at your processes for opportunities and maximize your patient pharmacist contact. The processes is the greatest place for you to see the opportunities for technology to partner with your business. It's not that the technology, as we've spoken about a lot on the show, fundamentally changes the process. It just makes it more efficient. It speeds it up. It aids it or automates it. And as we'd love to be able to automate almost every non-patient facing thing in our pharmacies. As we evolve, we may get there, but at the moment, we need to continually grab these one percenters and some fantastic ones that Catherine shared with us today, whether it's be dispensary logistics, professional services operation, whether it be your dose administration aids, there is opportunity everywhere in that regard. And number three is interpretation of patient data, whether that be through clinical or wearable devices, equals opportunity. I don't need to underlie this anymore, folks. It is a massive opportunity, and one of our health professional colleagues will take this up as an opportunity if we don't. We can take advantage of the general retailers that are driving the adoption of these devices, but it's leading to a whole range of unanswered questions that our patients need solving and they need interpreting. So we need to put our hands up and say that's going to be part of our role moving forward. And it's certainly going to enable us to play a more proactive role as well so that we can be seeing and listening to what's going on in our patients' lives through interacting with this data before it becomes a major problem for them, whether that be your blood pressure interpretation, blood glucose. You might notice a spike if they've got an internet-connected blood glucose meter and you're able to counsel the patient on what to do next. Fantastic if you're a slasher and you've got specialty in diabetes education. And certainly there is great opportunity there. So fantastic learnings we've got from Catherine today. Absolutely blessed to have her on the show. And I know that following her journey, we'll have many more chapters down the track. And that brings us to our transformation motivational quote of the week, which comes from Peter Drucker. And the quote is, The best way to predict the future is to create it. Such an important thing for us to realize how much we can influence our future and that circumstance in our environment doesn't always have to impact on where we're going and what opportunities are available. We have the power in our hands to create it ourselves. Next week, we've got a fantastic interview with Jared McMoore. We're going to build on the professional services element in pharmacy, particularly from someone who's developed private professional services as well as implemented professional services, even going back to the third community pharmacy agreement when he piloted the pharmacy asthma medication service as well. So many key learnings and so many tips and tactics that you can literally pick up from this interview and implement into your business tomorrow. If you've loved this week's episode, leave a comment in the show notes. I read and respond to every one of them, and our guests, like Catherine today, are only too happy to respond to your questions individually as well. Have a great week, everyone. Enjoy World Pharmacist Day, and I look forward to speaking with you again next week. Bye for now.